0: Welcome to the Network Marketing Heroes Podcast, hosted by 38-year network marketing veteran, author of Best-selling Books, The Four Year Career, and Mach 2 with your hair on fire, and world-renowned speaker, Richard Bliss Brooke. Learn from extraordinary leaders and get a behind-the-scenes look at what it truly takes to become a network marketing hero. Stay tuned after this episode for an exclusive discount code to get 10% off Richard's tools at blissbusiness.com.
1: Good evening, everybody. Richard Brook here with yet another Bliss Business Hero Call where we go out around North America and look for leaders that have built extraordinary four-year careers, multimillion-dollar businesses in network marketing, exceptional leaders with exceptional stories so that we can inspire those of you who want to be exceptional to see and believe that it's possible. So we're going to spend about 45 minutes tonight interviewing somebody that with no prior network marketing experience, got inspired, got great coaching, great leadership, joined a great company, and built in four and a half or five years a multi-million dollar business with tens of thousands of people in her organization. She did this as a single mother managing herding coaching three teenage sons she did it from Spartanburg South Carolina tonight we're going to talk to Bridget Bartley Bridget are you here
2: hi Richard I am here thank you
1: well thank you Bridget I'm so excited to talk to you tonight and hear your story I let a few things out of the bag about you but what we want to do tonight is dive in and hear about how did a single mother managing three teenage sons with no network marketing experience? i don't I don't remember ever hearing in my forty years in network marketing that Spartanburg, South Carolina is the epicenter of network marketing, uh, and probably is an advantage, a city that size in the south. But we want to hear how you did it and who you were before you got in network marketing and what you actually built, and we're going to learn a lot from this. I want to start, say a few things if you'd like, but uh, get to telling us your story. Who was Bridget before she got involved in network marketing?
2: Thank you, Richard, again for the opportunity. And so, yeah, network marketing was the vehicle for me and still is a great vehicle for me to still create an income but yet be a full-time mom and so prior to network marketing i was actually a stay-at-home mom for about 13 years and prior to being a stay-at-home mom i worked in corporate america for about four years i was a human resource um, generalist and so i worked in um, payroll i processed you know workers comp claims employee training And it was with an automotive manufacturing company. And then when I had my first son, who is now 15, we decided that I would stay home and raise children. So the next 13 years, I became a stay-at-home mom. And I actually, like you had mentioned before, I was a, a customer of several other network marketing companies. And I knew that the opportunity was there. It just never resonated with me at the time. But two years into my current company, um, it was just a win-win because I was in a position as a single mom that it was time for me to create an income. And with network marketing, I, first of all, I love the products. I love the company and the culture. But I knew that this was a business that I could build part-time, full-time. I could, I could work at night. I could work while the kids were at school. I could literally build it anywhere. And so that's what really drew me to network marketing. But also, more than anything, being a stay-at-home mom for so long, I was looking at the time that I was going to lose with my kids. I wanted to still pick them up from school and still spend summers with them and holidays and spring breaks. And I knew that going to a corporate job or back into the office, I was going to lose that. And another thing about network marketing that I really loved about it I was also in a position I did not have much income coming in at all, so even if I did have a job, I didn't have the the financial resources for child care um, or if I wanted to start another business to even you know have the marketing capital to to build another business so literally for less than you know a thousand dollars five hundred dollars, I built my network marketing company. And, yes, Spartanburg is saturated with with our company and with our products, and that's where social media has really come into play, is I've I've been able to build my business, you know, 95% on social media. And, again, I use social media because at the time I had no capital to put in with marketing or advertising. And, as we know, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, it's all free marketing, all right,
1: we'll get to that, uh, Bridget, but let, let's drill down on your story a little bit. So you said something telling that I want to go back to. You said you were with uh, Isogenics for two years before you decided to pursue the income opportunity. So what did you do for two years as were you any- just a customer?
2: I was so for two years. I was just a customer, but when I when I joined, I had someone in my um, upline or support team. You know, they were telling me how to get to that first level of leadership, and all I knew was okay. Get two friends. Get two friends to do this with you. And that's all I, they kept telling me. Get two people. So it took a couple of months, and I had two of my best friends join in with me. And okay, back up. Back just, up. Okay,
1: back, back up. So you were a customer for two years. <clears throat> And what did your sponsor say to you throughout that whole two years? and The reason I'm asking you this, Bridget, is you know there's a lot of people on the call that have customers that have probably asked them to look at the income opportunity or maybe they haven't asked them yet to look at the income opportunity, and so they haven't they haven't been able to convert those customers to excited distributors. What did your sponsor do with you? What did she say to you for the two years that you were a customer? What did she not say to you that had you stay a customer? What did she finally say to you? Or what did you finally see that had you say, okay, I'm going to do this?
2: Well, and it was actually a lot of what she didn't say. She was not pushy at all about the business. She, um, the only thing that she really did to encourage the business was she gave me the four-year career. That's that's about the most that she said. She just handed me the book at an event, and she said, "Read this," and that's when it clicked for me. But what, but what really, what really drew me to build a business was going to events, and that's where she did encourage me as for the business, is she encouraged me to get to events, which I went, and it allowed me to see the culture of the company. It allowed me to see the corporate, you know, up close and personal, um, up close. And it allowed me to see other people who were building in the company. And that was the turning point for me is because I was seeing friends that that I had also or that we had enrolled into our team who were other stay-at-home moms, they were people, you know, bartenders and teachers, and, and again, other stay-at-home moms who were building this empire with no network marketing experience. But of course, we were seeing other network marketing professionals who had come in from other companies, but I was seeing that these were normal, average people building a company, building a business, and really all they had was a clear vision for what they wanted in their life.
1: Okay. Stop, stop, stop. So I need to get clarity here. I think everybody listening to the call needs to get clarity. So you were a customer for two years. During that two years as a customer, were you going to Isogenics events? I was. You were? Okay. I was. So you must have had an intention to build a business or you wouldn't have gone to those events.
2: Right. Well, and I, and I was. And, um, in the first couple of years, as a customer, I enrolled, let's see, about 30, 20, 30, about 32 people in the first two years. I enrolled about 30 people. Um, and so I was building, but I didn't have a system in place or really, I, I, honestly, I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just right, sharing right, the product.
1: Okay. That's, that's great clarity. So, Bridget, what I'm going to assert is that you weren't a customer for the first two years. You actually were a distributor. You were just, in your mind, not lighting it up in accordance with a success system. <clears throat> but if you're a customer for two years and you sponsor 25 or 30 people, that's actually a fairly active distributor. So you, you had a pretty decent start those first couple of years. What changed for you in year two that you dropped in to a system, to belief, to vision, to motivation, to something where you actually started producing what changed? It, what was the event? What was the meeting you went to? Who said what? What did you read? What did your sponsor say? What did you see on social media? Was it one thing or was it osmosis?
2: It was, it was actually a, a, two-part, um, a two-part wake-up call for me. Um, part of it was I was two, year into, two years into my divorce, and I knew that it was time for me to do something for myself to create an income. And I knew that it was, it was me and my boys and and I've got to do something financially. You know, stop waiting around. It's just time for me to do something. And by looking around at people in my in my own organization and also in the company, it just it made perfect sense. Like why not isogenics? Because I already had a, a history and experience with the product but also as a believer in nutrition and detox because of our history with um, health and nutrition and the fact that it was I could work from home, still be a full-time mom, financially, as I mentioned earlier, did not have a lot of resources coming in, and yep, so I it. It, it just it made sense.
1: Yeah, so the event me. was you got present to the fact that you were going to have to support yourself
2: exactly and
1: your it's three exactly. sons and your three sons and so you'd been dabbling for a couple of years you'd been learning about the opportunities in network marketing but just like a lot of people so this is a great lesson for people listening bridget is people tend to dabble with network marketing dabble is the right word trying is the right word Hoping is the right word. And, you know, if I could sum it all up, it sounds kind of like people play around with it, uh, trying it, just dabbling with it, hoping that that degree of professionalism and commitment and focus will pay off. Hoping that just messing around with it. Is going to work and I think you know perhaps we're responsible as a profession for delivering that hope that if you just mess around with this if you just try if you just go to a few meetings if you sponsor a few people if you do a little bit you know that could really pay off and you could make a lot of money and while there might be one out of a million people that have joined network marketing that have just goofed around with it for three months and got rich the reality is most people almost everybody in fact i think it's everybody that i've interviewed so far in the four-year career that have built a multi-million dollar business they did it with focus intensity professionalism ethics a lot of work and a lot of belief and a lot of motivation so Let's talk about what, what your third year looked like after you flipped that switch, after you got present to, I've got to support my family, and this is the best way to do it. How many people did you enroll your third year?
2: My third year, I doubled my enrollment. I enrolled 46 people that third year. How many? 46.
1: 46 people your third year which is just under one a week. Which is actually the pace in the four year career that we recommend if people want to build a four year career, like they want to actually be done on the 49th month and have a multi million dollar business that, you know, makes them five or ten or fifteen thousand dollars a month or more, they gotta they gotta the first couple of years they got to enroll at a pace of about one a week which means you got to be doing about three presentations a week which means you got to be talking to you know 12 to 15 to 20 people a week and I think you know one of the things that people have to get real about and figure out is yeah that is an intense schedule that's some work it's work really if you're not on fire about it, if you're not excited about it, if it's not fun for you, then it might look like drudgery. But I'll bet it was fun for you, Bridget. And I want you to talk about that. Talk about that third year. Like, what did you do to attract that many people to you? What did you do to set that pace up, to talk to that many people, to do that many presentations, to enroll that many people? Tell us about what your day and your week was like?
2: Well, it, 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 the days and the weeks always looked a little different because again, you know, keep in mind building this as a single mom, I'm building this in the pockets of my time. So my typical work day isn't, it still isn't a classic eight to five, you know, I'll build three, four hours, you know, and then spend two or three hours taking care of my kids and then build another three hours. So it's um, truly just having that dedicated time block people, even for people who work full time, you know, they can still build it. Um, But, you know, what really shifted for me is I finally caught the vision for it. And then just sharing that same vision with other people. And then my vision and goals are different from other people's. Finding out for them what is their vision? What are are their goals? You know, what is it going to look like for them when they have achieved, you know, this weight loss or this health or this energy or when they're feeling this, good. And then also what fired me up is because I also had a transition personally, because as I was building this business, I was going through my own personal growth with my mindset and my habits, my thoughts, um, you know, just that aspect of it. And I was also sharing that with other people coming into the team so that not only were they feeling good physically with their nutrition, but also with their mindset and their attitude. And that's what fired me up that year and continues to inspire me and keep me going because it's just, I see how people's lives are changing. Again, not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually. So
1: is there anything specifically that you used to catch the vision yourself, to get yourself motivated, to keep other people motivated, to infuse personal development into your team? Any specific books or audios or videos or podcasts or what did you use for that personal development path?
2: There's there's a few books that I will recommend to people that that come in. It depends on where people are, but I, I still feel like you know, it, it starts, even though nutrition is, is why people come in, but when they can grasp the mindset, regardless, you know, how challenging their days become, not only as a, as a business builder or as a team leader, but even as they're going through with their nutrition and their diet, because they're going to have days that they don't want to eat healthy or go to the gym, but if they can keep that vision in their mind of what it's going to look like in 30 days, 60 days, and in 16 weeks, that will keep them inspired.
1: Got it. Okay. So if we roll out the rest of your career just to accelerate and show people what happens, uh, you have now not – well, somewhere around the five-year mark, maybe four and a half years, personally sponsored 159 people. Uh, which is fantastic. And the most important thing is how many did you sponsor the first two or three years? That's, that's where it all started rolling. You know, the, probably the last 50 or 60 or 70 people you've personally sponsored, you haven't seen the geometric fruits of that labor, and you won't for another two or three years. It's, it would be fascinating to visit your numbers in two or three years, and see how your organization has grown into the hundreds of thousands, because that's what you're on track to do. So 159 personal people, you have 13 of those, which is about one out of 11 or 12 that uh, you have indicated are what we call leadership legs. And here's, here's like kind of the matrix that I like people to think about is out of every about 10 people that you personally sponsored, one out of 10, providing that you're personally enrolling them for the income opportunity. So it doesn't count if you're enrolling somebody just to use the products, but you made them a distributor. Those are really just customers. But out of 10 people that say, oh, yeah, I want to build this. This sounds good. Let's make some money. If you tracked all those 10 people, a year from now, if you, if you follow kind of the norm, you're going to have about 1 out of 10 that are building a business. They're enrolling people, they're training people, they're motivating people. They, they may not be super successful yet, but they are on their own initiative building a business. So you have 13 of those. You're in a binary, so you only have actually two legs, which is the way a binary works but here's the most important number ladies and gentlemen that I want you to listen to from what Bridget has created from her just her first two or three years worth of effort she has 10,000 people that are on active auto ship at an average of $150 a piece 10,000 people out of maybe the first 50 or 60 that she personally enrolled. 10,000 active people at $150 a month apiece is $1.5 million a month in sales or $18 million a year. That on its own, if Bridget was her own network marketing company, she'd be a very successful network marketing company. Small, young, but successful. If she was just a company herself, in total she's got 38,000 people in her database, customers and distributors. So I just want you to think about that and understand the power of geometric progressions and the power what may, what what fuels our business model mathematically. I mean obviously it's heart, love, leadership, emotion, enthusiasm, you know, all of those things that that are the soft fuel the hard fuel is a very simple rule that a company called California Vitamins created for the direct selling profession in 1946 that said you know what let's quit waiting for people to be superstar salespeople before they can build a team let's let everybody build a team and when they put forth that suggestion they lit a fire on the direct selling business model and creating created geometric progressions where you can personally enroll 50 or 60 or 70 people, one out of 10 actually do what you did and 4 or 5 years later you got 5 or 10,000 people on your sales team. That's the power and the beauty of our business model. Next question, Bridget? In your young four and a half, five years as a network marketing professional, what's the biggest mistake you've made? Either one-time blunder or a bad habit that you kept repeating, and maybe it cost you money, like the size of your business, or maybe it cost you health, Maybe it costs you relationship. Maybe it costs you integrity. Maybe it costs you sleep. What's the biggest mistake you've ever made?
2: Well, Richard, I believe that one of the biggest mistakes I've made is as I'm connecting with people and prospecting, and when they tell me no, that this isn't right for them, I took it personal. And what do you mean that, by
1: personal? What do you mean by personal?
2: Well, I took it, I took it that it was me It was me, Bridget Bartley, and it wasn't that it was me. It's just they didn't want the program or they didn't want the nutrition. They didn't want what the program had to offer. And so I would process that and I would take it personal. And I believe that held me back for a while because I would take it personal. And then how that would reflect into my business is so then I would back off a little bit on how I would market my All company right, my or own, my product own. or myself
1: this is a rich answer, so I want to drill down on it because taking it personal in our profession is almost a cliche, and i I think it it serves people to understand more about the emotion and the psychology of what you mean by take it personal so if I say to you as a prospect no, I'm not interested, don't want to try that stuff, don't want to look at your video or I looked at your video and it's not for me, when you were taking it personal, what is the story that you told you about me telling you no?
2: That I wasn't a good enough leader, I wasn't going to be good at coaching them through the system, I'm not good at this profession and it, it really came down to I'm not good enough. Awesome. And then okay. what I that, found out – go ahead.
1: Okay, so here here's what I want everybody to envision. So folks, when you start telling yourself stories like that, and those are stories, those are stories we make up, They they don't like me, I'm not a good enough leader, I'm not a good enough presenter – um, you know, this isn't going to work for me, uh, people don't like to work with me, they don't respect me, nobody listens to me, I'm not good enough, all of that stuff. All of that is you and I casting a vision. When we tell ourselves stories, we cast a vision. We see a movie, we change our body chemistry, everything changes and produces motivation, and motivation is what leads us to act And, you know, shrinking from an opportunity, avoiding talking to people, those are acts. Those are actions. And so what we have to be so careful about is what we make up about a prospect, not seeing an opportunity. And when we make up things like Bridget is talking about, we start acting in a way that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy to get more no's Mm -hmm. which is we present from a weaker posture we get desperate we get hypey with people we start manipulating people or we don't talk to people at all so what did you learn about that Bridget that you changed
2: well what I learned was that it really wasn't about me it was they just didn't want the program. And what started to really enlighten me is that I would find that maybe a month or three months or six months, sometimes even two years later, I've had people come back and they'll say, okay, I've been watching what you're doing. Now I'm ready to get started. And then I, and also too, through personal growth and personal reading, I mean, there were different books I was reading because I wanted to read how other people did it. And I also knew that, that some of that was coming from the own story, like we said, I was telling myself, but two, I did my own things to build up self-esteem, self-worth, and by reading other people who had done it before me, that, okay, this is what they did, these, this is the mindset that I need to be in, and just you know, built up my self-esteem, self-confidence, and realized it wasn't about me at all.
1: Yeah, well, you're absolutely right, and, you know, so for for somebody that's stuck in that, you know, it's hard for them to go, well, you know, how isn't it about me? They're the ones that I, they said no to me, and, you know, you gave some great insight there, Bridget, about, you know, how do you learn that it's not about you? Well, you could ask yourself some questions, like, you know, did you say yes the first time somebody approached you? You know, I've asked rooms of people, thousands of people, you know, how many of you said no the first time you were approached? You know, 80% of the hands in the room go up. How many of you said no the first three or four times you were approached? 50% of the hands go up. And so if you ask people, you know, even distributors, you know, when you said no, was it because you didn't like your sponsor, you didn't respect your sponsor? What was it? No, it was – You know, at the time you approached me, I just couldn't, I just wasn't in a place to process it all. I, you know, part of it is people are so overwhelmed and so busy today, they don't even trust that they have time to make a good decision. Like they don't want to get in that conversation that they know instinctively is going to lead to some kind of financial or time commitment decision if they don't feel like they have the time or energy to do enough due diligence, like they feel vulnerable and they don't even want to get in the conversation. No, I don't want to, I don't have time. I don't want to talk about it. I I can't sell. I don't have any money. You know, that's not like I've read the four-year career. I've interviewed 20 Isogenics distributors. I've read a hundred Isogenics testimonials and I've concluded that, I could not be successful at this business. that's not what they're saying. what they're saying is I don't even have time to think about it. That's pretty normal. so that was the biggest mistake you made. What's the right. smartest thing you've done in four and a half years and and let's not use that example let's use let's find something totally new. What's the smartest thing you've done? And same criteria. It's resulted in the most success financially or the most health, the most um, love, the most relationship, the most personal growth. What's the smartest thing you've done?
2: The smartest thing I've done for me personally as well as professionally was using social media to build my business. And Ah, that was something –
1: Let's dive into that. How did you use – how do you use – social media and what have you got from it
2: well like i've mentioned earlier in the call most of my entire business has been built on social media and and really just breaking it down social media is basically our life on the screen and it's it's posting and sharing who you are it's it's the reality show of your life and people want to see what you're doing And it's treating it like a TV show, and we want to attract new viewers. We want to retain those viewers and build that following. But then also we want to learn how to monetize on that. And it's been a personal growth for me because naturally I am an introverted personality. I'm typically quiet if I'm in a crowd. Um, And so for me to put myself out there like that is, is out of my comfort zone. And so it's really helped me and to to really deliver my message to the world because I don't know sometimes who's watching videos and reading the post but it's it's reaching people. And that's it yeah, really so helped looking, me to like, build my business.
1: So I'm looking at your YouTube channel, which is beautiful, and you got a bunch of videos up there with hundreds, sometimes thousands of people looking at your YouTube videos. And so what are your favorite uh, social media channels, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, what do you use?
2: Facebook is, is my favorite one. That's my top one. Second right. is LinkedIn. Um, Facebook is more the social site. People, literally, it's a social site. You have everything from, from children to grandparents on there to stay-at-home moms on there. LinkedIn, I like that because it's more professional. It's more your, your executives, your office staff, your CEOs, um, the thing, especially building from a, from a network marketing standpoint, people on LinkedIn, because they have jobs, of course, then they're going to have money to, to purchase your packs, whereas, <laughs> <That> Facebook, <laughs> whereas Facebook is just a social site. So you tend to, or I tend to find a little bit more of a challenge sometimes with Facebook, but I've really been able to, to develop a brand and a following on Facebook
1: Mm-hmm. I see that, and so I'm looking at some of the things that you post, and it's inspiration. Occasionally, it's something about your product, but almost always it's about health and fitness and um, personal development and lifestyle kind of stuff. And so, tell us a success story. You got you got 13 people that are building a business that you've personally sponsored. Can you tell us a a couple of success stories of people that you met on social media or friends that you introduced to the opportunity um, that have gone on to have some or a lot of success?
2: Yeah, so two of actually, two of the girls that I think of right off, I've met both of them, or actually three I've met on social media. Um, One is from New Jersey. One is from Las Vegas, and one is from Burlington, North Carolina. And even just recently, this is a girl that I connected with about a year ago on social media on Facebook, and I, I'm not sure how she found me. She, she found me. We connected. And, and when I connect with people, I always send them a personal message and start to develop that relationship with them. And I knew that she lived in Las Vegas. So when I was in Las Vegas for a company event a few weeks ago, I asked, to meet for coffee if she wanted to meet for about an hour, and she decided to join the company. And when she decided to join the company right then, offered her an event ticket, she came to the event, and so she came in ready to build a business. And she has a vision, she has a passion, she has a nonstop attitude of she's going to do this, and these are people that I've met on social media, the same with – a girl that I've actually become good friends with now from new jersey she i met her on let's see I met her on Facebook, she joined in January two thousand and fourteen, and about six months ago she's actually quit her job and so she's building isogenics and then she's also able to pursue her passion now, which is teaching yoga and doing her own personal development retreats.
1: okay, so let's go back to what people are most curious about. You say you met her on Facebook. How did you meet her on Facebook? Did she comment on your page? Did you, you know, respond back to her? Or did you sort of find her and comment on something she posted? How exactly did you connect on Facebook?
2: So with, with actually all three of these that I'm talking about in particular, they all reached out to me and sent me friend requests. And so when people do that, I'll send them a personal message and thank them for their friend request. It's great to connect with them on Facebook. And I'll, when I look at people's pages, I'll find a common interest with them somehow, some way, and I'll always end a conversation with a question. And I keep it very short. I don't get into a long dialogue on Messenger, but I keep it short and I find a common interest and end it with a question so that they always have to respond back. And typically, I always ask them, so what type of business are you in? Or what do you do? And they'll tell me what they do. And, they, and this is the psychology of it. They always ask, what do you do? All and then right. that's when I tell them. And if they don't ask, then I will tell them. You will see me post a lot on my page about my nutrition, my nutrition company and program. If you have any goals that you'd like to reach, you know, let's schedule a time to talk. So that way, yep. so I'm, I'm almost preparing people that you're going to see me post a lot about these products, and I try not to you know put too much out there about the product, um, but but more so about the overall lifestyle of of health, which is yep. physical but mental, spiritual, all of that.
1: So I see looking at your page, uh, Bridget, that you have ten nine thousand one hundred and twenty seven people. That are following you. I imagine that's in addition to 5,000 friends.
2: It, it is. Probably
1: you're probably maxed out on friends. Plus you have 9,000 people that are following you. That's a really strong following for a personal page. Do you have any strategies to get people to find your page so that? You're talking about three people that just found you and asked if they could be a friend or something. So they somehow found your page, were inspired by it. Do you do anything strategically marketing-wise to have people see your page?
2: I don't. I don't. I'm actually looking at my page now and I have over 850 outstanding friend requests that are that are out there but it really just comes down to, and I've had people ask me, how did you create such a following? And it really comes down to creating value on your page. It's yep. it's like that TV show, like I use the analogy, people come back and they want to see more. Like, what is she talking about? What is she doing? Because it's value and it's not about about me. You know, here's where I am, here's what I'm shopping, here's what I'm buying. It's not self-promoting in that regard. Um, You know, sometimes I'll post some things to show the lifestyle of network marketing, but, and this is with a process too that I've learned is just learning how to be vulnerable and real because that's relatable for people. I mean, I don't, I don't paint this picture perfect lifestyle of I have it all together. You know, I I do want to be vulnerable with people and, and share, you know, I do have struggles in this area and, and also this is where I started and this is the story behind the glory. It's not, you know, it was a process to get to where I was or where I am today. And I still am a, you know, a working process. And that's what I want people to see on social media. And I feel like that's what keeps people coming, you know, continue the following and coming back is they can relate to a lot of what I post.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I looked at your page. You have a it's a great mix of uh just you having fun, uh friends, relationships, health, fitness, food, um inspiration and and it and your the big picture you have up there is I don't know if you did that or you had somebody professionally do that. Uh, but that is a professional looking I don't know if you, if you call it your cover photo or your profile picture, know. but um well done.
2: Thank you, and I actually actually did that. I've done everything myself from my website. I do all of my marketing promotional, and that's just where I've taught myself all of that. nice work. So
1: let's uh, fast forward, Uh, Bridget. What is your vision for you, for your business, for your life, Where where do you see yourself in four or five years? Where do you see yourself living? What do you see yourself doing? What do you see as the size of your business? What will you be giving back? What is, if, if you were creating your legacy, which, you know, you're way too young to have a legacy created in the next four or five years, but if you were creating your legacy in the next four or five years? Where do you see yourself? What are you building here?
2: I still see myself based in in Spartanburg. Um, This is a nice area. I love this area as a home base. But as my kids go to college, I do desire to travel more, and that's what I plan to do, is travel more. Um, I'm at a point where I want to help other people achieve what I've achieved. And that's really what is, is fueling me to keep going and doing what I'm doing. So even if if where I am right now my income did not grow, I would be content with that because to watch other people thrive, but also understand the numbers of network marketing that that's not the way it's going to work. Um, but to create more wealth, not so much for me, but so I can give back. I've already started giving back over um, the last couple of years just sponsoring children in the community to sponsor them on um, different mission trips. And I I love really being able to do that. There is um, a a place called Generation Rescue with Jenny McCarthy that has, she helps kids with autism and biomedical treatments. And so for families that come in and can't afford those treatments, um, I will sponsor some of those kids coming in because being in that position several years ago and knowing how expensive that is, I want to be able to give back and still continue plan, you know, to give back in that regard. Um, travel yeah. is big for me, I, I, and not only for me, but for my children. And you know, we were just talking about that last night. You know, we don't do big Christmases as far as gifts, but you know, we will take a trip at Christmas time, and they'll get a smaller gift because I believe the world is our classroom, and there's so much to see. I want to be able to do that with my children, and. And just take them on trips and do things like that. And obviously, college—three children in college—I want to pay cash for their college so they don't have to worry about a student loan. I want to be able to buy them cars and 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 really fulfill their needs because some of those things are they're going to require. But then also to leave a legacy because I realize that as as I get older and when I pass away, I don't want to leave my children a bunch of debt. You know, right. and a bunch of bills to have to take care of. You know, I want to leave a legacy for them and their kids and their kids so that they have not enough to where they don't feel like to work, but enough that's going to help sustain them and, and fuel their dreams as well.
1: Got it. Well, we're going to have to check in on you in um, three or four years because I think you're going to have a Susan Sly, Shauna Ekstrom. Type story where your business has grown into the hundreds of thousands of people, and you're realizing not all of your dreams, only but you know. I think the one of the, the most gratifying thing about being successful in our business is that you'll be able to tell stories about people that you've met on social media, that you've enrolled, that you've mentored and coached and inspired, and now they're having extraordinary success with tens of thousands of people on their team, that, that really makes doing what we're doing worthwhile. I'm curious, uh, Bridget, how do you use the four-year career and any of the other tools available on Bliss Business like Mach 2? or Do you use any of that stuff in your business?
2: I do. When someone is ready to earn some income in their team, which even getting their products paid for, the very first book that I will suggest them to have is a four-year career, especially for people who are in sales, pharmaceutical sales, real estate sales, any type of sales especially, because the comparison that, that is in the four-year career, sales versus the geometric progression, that's what allowed it to connect with me. Me having that business background, I just you just get it. And so the four year career truly every person gets that in their hand when they decide to build a business. Because they also see the breakdown because you have a visual in there of of what it looks like, you know, you do it by fours, whereas we do it by twos, but they right. can truly see that geometric progression of, you know, you get four, they get four, they get four, they get four. And you seeing my progression over the last four to five years, it's, it's the numbers are there. You know, when you enroll or when I enroll 160 associates, yet have an organization of almost 40,000, that's geometric progression at its finest, right there. Yep. And it's exactly what you what you teach in before your career.
1: Well, thank you. Cool. And you'll probably uh, be excited to hear that my wife Kimmy uh, is just putting the finishing touches on the four-year career for women, which she is launching the end of September. And so if you track the Bliss Business site, uh, and it is a totally different take on building that four year career, it's less rational, less engineering, less math, and obviously more touchy feely and stories and, and exercises that anybody, ladies and men, can do. Just a different look at the whole process. As we wrap this up, Bridget, uh, true to form, you get the last question. And I know you're not prepped for this because I don't ever tell anybody they're going to do it. So you have to just trust your intuition. You get the last question and you ask it of me. What can I answer for you that might serve your audience?
2: For someone, because I know a lot of my team will be listening, for someone who is discouraged in building a network marketing business, what's the one tip that you would offer them to keep going?
1: Well, discouraged is a conversation. <clears throat> so, I am I am a very literal trainer and coach. Um <clears throat> when you say discourage, what I ask myself is what does that mean? What does discouragement sound like? What does it smell like? What does it taste like? What does it feel like? And what I know is discouragement is a conversation, and it sounds like nobody wants to do this. I can't do this. The last three people I sponsored quit. The last two people I got on the product got off the product. It just sounds like that. And I don't know if your team has ever studied my other book, Mock 2, The Art of Personal Vision and Self-Motivation, but it is a book I wrote 20 years ago. And It is all about creating and managing those conversations so that you act differently. So, what I would tell people that are discouraged is first and foremost, that's not out there. It's not out in the marketplace. It's not in Isogenics. If there's anybody in Isogenics right now that's growing and having success, it's not Isogenics. If there's anybody in the network marketing community in any of the thousand companies in, based in the United States that's growing and having success in network marketing, it's not network marketing. If it's not working for you, it is you. And it's not you physically. It's not that you're defective or that you're not enough or you're, you, you know, it's none of that. It is your conversation. And so, you know, if, we, if, we, if the conversation we have about the future is based on bad results that we've created in the past, all we're going to do is recreate those. And we recreate them primarily by not doing anything. Discouraged distributors do not recruit. They basically hide, and they complain, and they whine, somehow thinking that's going to make a difference. So what I would tell a discouraged distributor is change your story. So okay, the last four people you sponsored quit. And guess what? I, I can show you hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of interviews of people that are making ten to to $100,000 a month that had four people in a row quit. I mean, it's just part of the process. I mean, you've sponsored 159 people, and you have 13 that are building, Bridget. You must have had 146 quits. (laughs) (laughs) I'll bet you had had four in a row at somewhere in that 146. Yes? Yes? So let me ask you this, Bridget, who is discouraged. If you sponsored somebody tomorrow... This uh, somehow magically you sponsored somebody tomorrow, and that somebody was really excited, like the gal you talked about in Vegas. That, that new person was really excited, and they bought the pack, and they got on the products, and they lost weight, and they, they actually had people come to the next event, and they started building a team. What would your story be about you and isogenics? Would it still be nobody wants to do this? I can't do this. I'm not enough. I'm defective. I'm... Would it be different? And of course, you would say, "Oh well, no." So then, then my story would be different. Yeah. And if your story's different, like if you if you sponsored somebody and they were all on fire, what do you think the odds are that you would be in a position, you would be of the state of mind and body and spirit? to go sponsor somebody else who was excited. Would you be in better position to do that or worse? Well, way better. Obviously, if I just sponsor somebody who was really excited, I'd be more inclined to sponsor somebody else. Yes. So, wh- so what do you think the best way is to get in front of somebody and inspire them to take a look at isogenics? Do you think it is with discouragement, that story, or do you think it's with a different story? no oh, different story. So are you willing to change your story? And here's here's why I wrote the book Mark 2. 97 to 98% of the population worldwide but especially in North America has no relationship at all with their state of mind their emotional state, their spiritual state, their physical state, in terms of managing it. Their state is a result of whatever just happened to them. If they sponsored somebody in the business that was excited, they're excited. If they sponsored somebody in the business that quit, they're not excited. Um, you know, And it, that reflects in all areas of their life. They're up and down like a yo-yo based on the results and the circumstances that visit them in life they're not in control two to three percent of the population naturally they just naturally even in the in the face of adversity and frustration and setbacks and challenges they naturally because of a huge gift from their parents they naturally spin a conversation that that's okay, we're going to win anyway. You know, okay, we got to step back, but you know, we're going to make this work. They're optimistic. They're, they they have a powerful story. They create what I call green lights naturally. And green lights is I, you know, I see a prospect on my list and instead of making up they're too busy, they're not going to be interested, now's not a good time, oh, I've got to go do this instead, which is what I call a red light. They make up a green light. And that green light is, this This conversation's going to go great. You know, She's ready to talk to me. I'll bet she's going to be interested. If you made that up about a prospect on your list, how long would it take you to call them? About five seconds. So what I would tell frustrated people, discouraged people, is... It's not an indictment. It's not a fact. It's just a story. And it's a story that you made up based on you, you had some bad results visit you. And the only way to create good results is with a good conversation, with a powerful conversation. And here's what I'll leave you with if you you know it doesn't really matter what your belief is let's not get get into religious or spiritual beliefs or science or any of that but let's just all agree that in the history of the earth there have been tens of thousands of living beings animals fishes plants insects and in the history of the earth There's only one of those living beings that has risen to dominate its environment, and that's human beings. And one of the most powerful, if not the only, key difference between us and a cow is that we get to choose what we think. We get to decide what the story's going to be. And ergo, we get to decide the path we go on. And you can choose discouragement, and you can whine about it, and you can be a victim about it, and you can blame about it, and you can follow it to failure. Or you can make up a different story and dominate your kingdom. Is that helpful?
2: Very helpful. Thank you. You're welcome. Hey everybody,
1: thank you so much for joining Bridget and I for Hero Call number 59. We'll see you in a couple of weeks for Epic Hero Call number 60. In the meantime, you've got 14 days to go out and light it up and do about three or four presentations a week and enroll a couple of people in the next two weeks. And I'll bet if you show up on Hero Call number 60, having enrolled a couple of people in the last two weeks, you'll be listening with a totally different filter. And you'll get a total different thing out of the call. Thank you, Bridget. You're a class act. You're an inspiration. I look forward to meeting you at some live event down the road. And certainly uh, stay in touch with me so I can track your story.
2: Absolutely. Thank you again, Richard, for this opportunity.
1: You're welcome.
0: Thank you for joining us on this episode of Richard Bliss Brooks Network Marketing Heroes podcast. For more invaluable training tools, such as audios, videos, and of course, his best selling books, The Four Year Career and Mach 2 With Your Hair on Fire, head to blissbusiness.com. For 10% off your order, use the discount code HERO at checkout. If you're serious about building your business, make sure to subscribe to Richard's blog for all the latest tools and articles.